This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios in South Central Alaska, USA. Live and local, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on KVNT, 1020 a.m. and 92.5 FM. Your best source for morning news, traffic, and weather. Streaming live online at TomAndersonShow.com. Phone lines are open. Dial 907-357-5868. That's 357-5868. Politics and news from a guy who's made it happen. Your morning drive just got a whole lot better. Good morning, America. Here's Tom Anderson. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. It is the longest day of the year. Is it not for daylight? It's the summer solstice and... I hope that we have a sunny day. It looks to be when I woke up this morning, I peered out the window and I think we're going to have a sunny day and I think we're going to have a sunny week. If you've looked at, look in here, the weather report here, seventies, high seventies into the eighties next week. And it's going to be either fully sunny or very much sunny with a few sprinkle of clouds. Phone lines are going to be open this morning. Of course. Always like to hear from you, 357-5868-907-357-5868. 7 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday, we can be reached through Facebook and other ways. Looking at the news here, I was reading something of interest, and I thought you all might like this. If you've, I guess you could say, considered moving to other places. I don't know how many of you ever contemplate that. Lisa Kalai Han and William Edwards are two journalists and they write for the Business Insider, which I subscribe to. There's been a lot of comparisons and juxtapositions comparing one market to another or overviewing all 50 states and cities and markets when a you know business insider covers markets and economy and they're looking at sales of all sorts of things products services you name it but they picked up on one story here and wrote about it the National Association of Realtors handpicked what they call hidden gems five hidden gems in real estate markets around the United States. And they break down why they're well positioned to see continued growth. In other words, Oh, where would, where would you want to live when it comes to housing and what's the prospect in the future? You know, there's going to be with interest rates rising and inflation upon us. You're going to see pretty soon everything get more expensive and then people are going to time out and say, I can't afford it. So why are these places good? Well, the first one, and this isn't in any order, and you may agree, you know, you may say, yep, I knew this already, but Charlotte is one. Charlotte is a rapidly growing city with an average of 97 people per day moving there. As a reflection of this massive growth, And the growth is that the city's population swelled to 3 million people last year. Charlotte is into the spot of 16th largest city in the United States. Last year, the real estate market sales value reached around 24 billion there. The median home in Charlotte was around 391,000. 
while average home prices reached around 462000 So, I don't know. It seems like that's a really good place. Raleigh's not happy. Everybody's moving to Charlotte. Nine of the Fortune 500 companies and 17 of the Fortune 1000 companies call Charlotte home. And if you live in that area, you know about all the fun sports, right? Major League Soccer, the Charlotte Hornets, the Carolina Panthers, NASCAR. It's a magnet for millennials. By the way, Charlotte has the sixth largest airport in the world. Did you know that? And it's strategically located between two ports, Wilmington, North Carolina, and the beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. So that helps for logistics and distribution as a hub. And then Charlotte's all-season weather and proximity to both the mountains and the beach. It's certainly a popular destination for professionals, retirees, people vacationing, on and on and on. So Charlotte's one. Again, we're talking about Business Insider in an article, the National Association of Realtors. So this is the realtors, and they're saying, hey, these are hidden gems. These are markets. These are cities around the United States that are well-positioned to see continued growth. Charlotte's one. Here's another, Las Vegas. I'm not surprised on that. Tourism, obviously, a key is an obvious key driver there. Local economy. About 42 million people annually visit Las Vegas. And they support one-third of the area's jobs. So, in other words, one-third of the jobs in Vegas are tourism-based, including gambling. There's also over $25 billion of major projects developing in Las Vegas. Any of you go to Las Vegas? Do you like to recreate there and party there? Maybe just get a, get a break for a bit? There's going to be more casinos, businesses, the Apex Center. Hard Rock wants to build an enormous guitar on the strip. Of course, this was, you know, I hate the Raiders, but this was interesting news that, that they acquired the Las Vegas, it used to be Los Angeles, used to be Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders a few years ago. So Formula One racing is there. And then Nevada has no state income tax. So you're seeing migrants from High-cost California, you see bordering states like Arizona and Utah people moseying on over there. A median condo price is now 285000 It used to be way cheaper. Vegas is struggling, though, with affordability. Average home prices, $482,000 in May. Back in January, it was 375000 Can you believe that it rises up 100000 State government's pushing measures to build cheaper housing and rent control. So is the city. We will see another one, Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia sits across from the Potomac River from Washington, D.C. Obviously, that's a hub for employees, federal government and such. Northern Virginia, they say, is growing because they have a presence of major tech companies like Google and Facebook and Microsoft. See, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, when you shoot away Amazon, you really screwed your area. The median household income in that area is 128000 Another one, San Antonio. 
Around 500,000 people are moving to Texas every year since 2019. People love Texas. And San, San Antonio seems to be a treasure trove for home prices, more homes being built. The other one, to my surprise, Denver, because 70% of Denver's metro population consists of blue-collar workers. Rentals in the city's corridor are pretty strong. And you've got more businesses forming there, more people moving there for the schools and vacations, ironically, and, of course, skiing. So there's your cities. Now you know where to move to if you have to get out of Alaska, but we hope you stay. And stay right here on this station and my show. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Welcome back, Tom Anderson Show. Good morning, live and local this June 21st. It's 18 minutes after the hour. Attorney General for the United States, Merrick Garland, New York Times reports, has made an unannounced trip to Ukraine to discuss the prosecution of Russians for war crimes. Interesting, by the way, in another article I read that two, I guess you could call them Russians, call them soldiers of fortune were captured, U.S. citizens that were fighting over there, and Russian spokesperson said they may be executed. I mean, this is a time of war, and you're coming over here fighting against us, killing our soldiers? No, you'll probably be put to death. We're not sure. So keep that in mind if you dart over there to Ukraine to help out. If you're caught, it may not be such a good ending. I give great praise to those that go to Ukraine to help, but there is a consequence. You could be maimed. You could be killed. You could be captured. Garland plans to visit Ukraine's prosecutor general to discuss the U.S. and international efforts to help Ukraine identify and basically apprehend and then prosecute those folks involved in war crimes and other atrocities in the Ukraine. Now, the meeting's going to be just an hour. The two are expected to discuss technical, forensic, legal stuff that Garland's department might be able to provide prosecutors. They met apparently last May in Washington, Garland's trip today was part of a previously scheduled trip to Paris and Warsaw, Poland, and Paris, France. Reading down the line here, earlier this year, Garland and the FBI director, Chris Ray said they were working with investigators and prosecutors in Ukraine, and that's a signal that the, the current administration, Biden's administration, intends to follow through on its public condemnation of atrocities committed by Russian forces. And that's been documented, awful things. They've taken people, raped people, killed. You know, they come into a community and the Ukrainians, you know, civilians aren't bothering anyone and they maybe laugh or joke or share a cigarette and then blow them away. The world sees what's happening in Ukraine. The Justice Department sees what's happening in Ukraine, said Garland, who he actually helped prosecute the plotters of the Oklahoma City bombing back in 1995 and that was a 
that that was a big deal in and of itself. And certainly we remember that Tim McVeigh and Terry Nichols. And uh, I think, weren't they both put to death? And I think Tim McVeigh was. I may be wrong. I'd have to look up the history of that. So at least we know that there's a monitoring of this. And, hey, we have someone calling in. And he is talking about the real estate market. Looks like Hung Lee. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Mr. Tom Anderson. Uh, happy summer solstice day. You betcha. You too. Well, I was talking about these other cities and real estate. What do you think about the Alaskan market? Yeah, I think it's great potential. By the way, today is my 44th birthday. Happy birthday. I did not know that. I'll have to look on Facebook. Good for you. That's where I find everybody's birthdays these days. <laughs> Yeah, so real estate in Alaska, I think, is huge potential because, you know, I live in just outside Wasla, Clinic Fairview. And yes. if I drive down the Clinic Goose Bay Road, 30 minutes, then we go to, like, Point McKenzie. And as you know, Point McKenzie is ocean front, and uh, there's beautiful ocean. So I think it's a huge real estate market potential for Point McKenzie, like ocean front property. We have like, uh, it's not sandy, but it's kind of gravel, still it's a beach. And uh, I think there's huge potential there. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of people feel that way out here in the valley when it comes to real estate and prime real estate and what's developable, new word, and, and where we can see growth and expansion and whether there's a bridge connected to, to Anchorage or not. As the Matsu expands, that's definitely a treasure trove of property. I agree. Do you yeah, think we'll that... Throw- let me let me throw this out. You're a U.S. Senate candidate. You're kind of a perennial candidate for different seats and are interested in serving. Do you think that that is a spark of interest or a lure, an allure for voters when a candidate says, I'm someone that responsibly wants to build? I want to build into areas that are robust uh, for commerce and for residences and new homes, or do you think that turns people off? Yeah, I think uh, it's a good thing, development. I'm pro-development. So you talked about Denver, Colorado, and San Antonio, Texas. I've been to those places. It's beautiful. In San Antonio, Texas, you have this river walk. Den- Denver, Colorado, you have this wonderful downtown with all the trams. Yeah, no, they're both beautiful. I've been to them both as well. Northern Virginia was one on that list. Not familiar there. And I have not been to Charlotte. I haven't been to Charlotte, but I've been to Denver. I've been to San Antonio and I've certainly been to Vegas. And of the three of those five from that Business Insider article, I would agree with, you know, the Northern Virginia idea that it could be a treasure trove of homes. That's because of federal workers. And they're, you know, the median income's low 100,000. That just shows you what people are getting paid these days. But no, I agree with, with Point McKenzie. Appreciate the call, my friend. Enjoy your Tuesday. Thank you. Thank you. You, you betcha. That's Hung Kee Lee calling in from Matsu. I will tell you this right now that it's a, 
it's a it's a time where with inflation and then with the potential of backtracking and you know what I'm talking about with with all these interest rates and such it just I guess it could get worse. I hope it doesn't. I really do. I hope it doesn't. And I know a lot of us are concerned about it. Hey, did you read about Europe and all of a sudden Usabelli would be proud European countries are beginning to restart coal plants to conserve natural gas. Welcome to a modern-day war with Russia. There's an energy predicament. The first country to take the step was Germany. Last weekend, Sunday, just two days ago, Germany said it's going to restart coal-fired plants as part of a broader plan to preserve natural gas. Europe's natural gas situation was already precarious, Morning Brew reports, because of its reliance, who do you think on, on Russian energy exports. But the crisis deepened last week. That's when Russian energy giant Gazprom slowed down flows in a pipeline that runs to Germany. Of course, Russia, the lion scumbag country of russia blamed a technical issue related to canadian sanctions but europe says give us a break this is economic warfare plain and simple we know what you're doing the supply crunch coming on top of an existing supply crunch that's put other european countries on high alert italy the netherlands austria they're also looking at coal to keep energy prices from spiraling out of control as well and they're already near record highs in Europe. Now, what happens? Well, these coal-fired power plants kick back into gear. Suddenly, the European Union leadership urging countries to ensure that it's a one-night stand party people because the last thing they want when you're looking at the environment and you're looking at air quality and you're looking at global warming is fossil fuels being used abundantly and european union a lot of leaders are saying hey why don't you mosey on back to renewables and why don't you look and i'm hoping the clear pathway if you've heard about clear path national advocacy for beyond solar and wind you know hydro and nuclear and i hope they start looking at that again We have to make sure that we use this crisis to move forward and not to have a backsliding on the dirty fossil fuels. That's what even European Commission President Ursula von von der Leyen stated to the Financial Times. The zoom out on this is a similar dynamic is playing out here in the United States. It really is where you're seeing concerns about soaring energy prices, fuel and everything else, even though we saw a reprieve a little bit recently environmental concerns and so forth but environmental concerns are being trumped pun intended by the push for oil and use of it and natural gas specifically and if that gets cut off then coal if two years ago we told you that president biden would be chastising oil refiners for not producing more you would have thought it was funny that's what morning brew ends their article with and it's true so be prepared for that. A restart of coal plants across Europe because they're trying to conserve natural gas, because the good old Russians 
are lying by saying they're cutting it for other reasons, but they're cutting it. Welcome to war, but it's all Russia's fault, correct? This is a catalyst, the domino effect. This is the reactionary event that occurs when a country invades another. And the economic pitfalls will be even more ginormous if China ever dared meddle with Taiwan, which we pray to God never happens. I don't want to test President Biden, who should be a one-term president. Here's a little Billy Joel. Folks, it's Tuesday. Jonathan Greenberg is next up. We're going to talk to him about Israel. He's our resident expert out of Chicago. So stay with us. Good morning. Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. We are back, and it's been a long time. One of my dear buddies through radio, and I just I love this guy. He and his family are all stars, and I wish he lived closer. We'd be buddies, I have no doubt. In fact, I think it's been over two years, maybe pre-COVID, but Jonathan Greenberg joins us, and now he is, and it's he says now it's been four years, man, but he's the director of freedom initiatives at the Jack Miller Family Foundation, where some of his duties, hence the call, beyond checking in with the, the peeps that listen to my program, includes philanthropy on Israel-related issues. And Jonathan, first, let's touch base. I know there's a there's a small, because of our audience, but but definite fan base for you and everybody appreciated in past calls where you called in. And I think right at COVID, I know that we talked about you called in when, uh, when Israel changed prime ministers. So it's been in the last two years, but how are you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm really good. It's, uh, you know, it's been a long haul living here in the land of uh, COVID paranoia, but, uh, you know, you guys are considerably freer up there, but uh, it's, uh, we're coming out on the other end of it now, and uh, so we're good, yeah. and the weather's, this is, we, we're in that, like, you know, that, like, four-week uh, period where the weather's really great in Chicago, and then it'll be terrible again for another, like, 11 months. Oh man, I I I love that's funny. I love that area, and there are places in Illinois that are just treasure troves to live. And then Chicago's obviously one of the greatest cities on earth, but it has its hiccups too. And so I I love. I was going to say you. It, it, it used to be true, yeah. Uh, and I, I haven't been there in a while, so one of these days I'll need to mosey back. Well, in your new gig, I would love to talk, and that's that not new as of now, but it's new to us who who have. Uh, haven't heard you. that's right and let's talk about israel is it really going to be the fifth election in three years yeah that's right it'll be so they they actually man i'll tell you they almost exactly a year ago uh this government uh was announced uh and i i really did not think they would make it a year so i i'm surprised that it went this long but yes this will be the fifth election in three years 
And, and, and I was sorry, I was moving my, my headphones here. And and do you think, I mean, could, could we see a return of the old governance or would you say it's out of the question or would you say there's a potential? Because obviously Trump fans would like to see that. There was great parody. Yeah, I think, um, uh, I think that the, there's, it's definitely possible, you know, uh, one, one or two seats here or there would shift. You know, it's a very small, getting a majority together in the Knesset is very difficult. So I'll just tell you, there are 120 seats in the Knesset. You need 61 seats to form a government. Likud was by far the largest, that's Benjamin Netanyahu's party, by far the largest vote getter. They only got 30 seats. They're only halfway, not even halfway to forming a government, then you get a bunch of smaller parties you have to cobble together. And to do that, you have to make promises. And, um, and you know, right now it looks like the, and then there are some Arab parties that won't join uh, a Zionist government, right? They're anti-Zionist Arab parties. So, um, so you need to, it, it's very difficult to get a majority at, at this point. And the anti, it's, Netanyahu is now the central issue in whether or not people will form a government. There's, a pro-BB block and an anti-BB block. And the anti-BB block got exactly 61 seats last time. And, uh, and the, uh, the pro-BB block was just under that. And, you know, a couple seats here and there makes a big difference. And let's say... Yeah, it's, got, it's, definitely, it's definitely possible. And let's definitely say possible. he got back in. What's the timeline? And then how does that work logistically? Do they just... Is it like a presidential transition? And is it, is it expedited? Well, I'm not, uh, so it's, I mean, it's expedited. Uh, like a month? Theoretically, it's Does it take a month for staff to change? It depends. So last time the election was in March of 21, and it took them until June to put a government together because they couldn't get a coalition together. It depends on how obvious and easy it is to put a coalition together. With lots of smaller parties, it tends to be very difficult to get a coalition together because you have to make lots of promises and you have to give away uh, cabinet portfolios and to, to the leaders of the other smaller parties. So, um, you know, it's, uh, and that, you know, the, the, the president of Israel is a guy named Kak Herzog. He's the one who gives a particular person the right to, you know, try to put together a government. And if they can't do it, there's a time that's associated with that. And if they can't do it, he can give them extra time or he can hand it off to somebody else. So usually it happens relatively quickly. But the last couple of times, it's taken a long time because it's been harder to put together a coalition. Wow. Let's talk yeah, about it's crazy. It's not it, a great, it is, not a great stable system. Well, and, and, and I, I don't knock it and I don't praise it. I kind of just watch with interest scholarly wise to see, you know, my son, Grayson, you have kiddos in school and I'm sure they're interested because of their pop in foreign affairs. And, and my son definitely is and is in the United Nations. He goes to school now in, in Denver and back and forth to Alaska and Colorado with his mom. And he, I will tell you, really loves United Nations and loves governance. He doesn't want to be in, in civil service uh, or, or, you know, in the State Department, but because I asked him, he, he actually wants to go to a, a military academy and is trying for that right. and lives near Colorado Springs, right. so wouldn't mind Air, uh, Air Force. But I'll tell you this. So, so weird. My, can I just say, my, my 15 year old is also interested in uh, either the Air Force Academy or isn't the that Academy. Wouldn't so that maybe, be maybe, maybe they'll. Be well, my my son is, I think, a bit older. My son's sixteen. What grade is your kid in? 
Yeah, my, my oldest is a, a 15-year-old who's going into his sophomore year. See, mine's going into his junior. So, they would, yeah, they, would be, they might be there at the same time. They wouldn't be the same class. So, no, Great, I love it. That Grayson would be neat. Grayson, Grayson can haze my son. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but I'll <laughs> tell him to look out for him if he gets in. And we both of us have smart kids, so that helps. Thanks to the moms. No, so, so here's yeah, the sure. deal, though. Let's look at, let's, let's pivot to, because you, you have been involved with politics like me pretty much all your life and whether active directly or from from your your business positions uh, or just as a community and, and you know partisan person that says I want to help obviously Republicans and in my case the same and you have a tougher time where you're at because there can be like like in Chicago with all the Democrat mayors it's difficult not that you're in directly Chicago but looking at the national level do you see a rebound for Republicans in this midterm year uh, whether they're Trump backed or not, I think 10 congressional members voted against Trump and I think Rice lost. But others, I know that Herrera Butler and Newhouse, they've got challengers in Washington state near us, but I think they're both going to survive. But but how do you see? I think that it's going to be a Republican midterm and I have a hunch it'll be a Republican presidential, hopefully Ron DeSantis in two more years. I, I know it's hard yeah. to prognosticate, but do you kind of agree in America? Yeah, no, I think that um, I think we're looking at a, a huge Republican year, certainly in the House. I think we certainly take back the House by a, a very solid margin. Um, I, you know, the the polling for Democrats right now is just absolutely brutal, as it should be. Um, and uh, the only way that we really screw it up is if we nominate bad candidates in Senate races, right? So it's, it's as you know, it's it's incredibly important. Because of judges and other uh, and, and other you know and cabinet nominees and things, it's so important to have the Senate, and um, we should be wiping the floor with. Actually, in, in this cycle and in 2024, it would be possible for Republicans to have 50 seats or more, even a couple more, in the Senate, um, and therefore have a, a veto—not a veto proof, but a, a, a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate if we don't screw it up and nominate crazy people who can't win. Um, you know, in, in Pennsylvania, I think we've we've nominated a bad candidate. Really? You don't like we may Oz? Still be a, you don't like Dr. No, I don't Oz? Think he, no, I don't think he was the right candidate at all. I think he brings What about Herschel Walker? What about Herschel Walker I think against Warnock? <laughs> so, I mean, he may win, right? So, so the, 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 the environment is going to be so bad for Democrats that we may just sneak. I mean, you know, there were some candidates in the 80 Reagan revolution that snuck in that you know otherwise never would have we had a republican win in georgia back when you know, still the you know southern democrats uh georgia in 1980 but you know if we don't get lucky like that we're nominating people who it's, it's going to be harder and i think herschel walker does make it harder in georgia i think i think Mehmet Oz does make it harder in, in pennsylvania and then there, there are going to be some others if we not if we nominate smartly we should run the table and think about what a Republican majority can do with 60 or more seats that with Ron DeSantis in the White or whoever in the White House in 2024 and, and 60 votes in the Senate. Think about what we can do oh, with no filibuster. It would be wonderful. Like, we need to be we just need to be smart about it. Yeah, no, I agree. 
my friend Johan, Jonathan, we're going to go to a break. And I appreciate the fact that you called in. Let, let's plan a longer discussion maybe over the summer. And I'll, I always text what Jonathan it? last second. And he's like, really? <laughs> you never give me a chance to contemplate. But if you're willing to, maybe we could make this a regular discussion maybe once a month. Would that be cool? I'd love, I'd love to talk to you. We love you, man. You're loved by Alaska. JG, Jonathan Greenberg, he is the Director of Freedom Initiatives at the Jack Miller Family Foundation. Thank you, my friend. Bless you. Thank you. You betcha, buddy. Tom Anderson Show. Stay with us. Good morning. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Well, we are back. Always a pleasure to have Jonathan Greenberg with us, and he's a nice guy. Ever meet someone where they're long distance and you're like, man, I wish they lived closer because we'd be buddies and hang out. Welcome back, by the way, Tom Anderson Show. Good morning. Anybody like to Zumba? The Kabayan Association out here, they're the, I guess you could say the Filipino group and club that if you're connected to the Philippines, if you're Filipina, Filipino, if you're married to one, over August, they're going to host at 3 p.m. on Saturdays at Wasilla Lake in the Valley, August 6th, 13th, 20th, and 27th, a Zumba in the Park. And they're also looking for donations. You can go to Kabayan. The way you spell that is K-A-B-A-Y-A-N. Kabayan Inc. Like incorporated dot com. And if you go to that website, they're looking for folks to help with their scholarship. They're trying to raise money. And I think they've almost reached it. Kabayan Inc. dot com scholarship. You can type in, and basically they're helping kids. And I don't see any of these kids being Filipino, by the way. They all look Caucasian, meaning it's not like uh, race-centric for that. So they're helping giving class of uh, 22 scholarships as well. They have an education program combining. Good for them. I like to see that where you see people. The other thing is uh, people helping out with, with community efforts and, and scholarship and education. The other thing we have, pipalaska.com. They're a sponsor of the show and you hear me talk about it every day. Mike Vanya is the person to talk with. He's the sales manager. I was just talking with him yesterday, paid a bill. We did a rack card for a political candidate. We're ordering signs for another. We're ordering stickers for another. We're ordering swag for another. We're ordering a mailer for many. We have a lot of political candidates this cycle, and Pip Alaska and Mike Vanya, they're your go-to for all of that. They have a really new, updated, modern facility. They're one of the bigger printing companies and maybe the technologically most advanced of all of them in the state. They, you know, locally own, locally run, veterans work there. It's an awesome all-star team, downtown Anchorage, beautiful shop. You can get a tour if you want. And I'm just, I'm really proud of them and they churn it out and they do a good job and we recommend them. Everything from attending a conference, we talked about Vegas and if you have a booth, you need all the swag and the elements there to, you know, the backdrops and the, the front drops and the things that you can, you can, uh, spool up and carry like on a plane and then wraps for your vehicle. Tom Steigelman, our, our KVNT manager, he and, and producer for the show right now, his son Charles is in Charles and Stephen are Tom's kids and they, they help out 
family affair over at CBI Media, and it's nice to have those folks endorse Tom, particularly Pip. His SUV has KFC, the Christian station's wrap around it. I don't know if KVNT's on it too, but I know KFC is, and and that's pretty cool from Pip Alaska. So we practice what we preach and you can check them out online at pipalaska.com. If you call them, ask for Mike Vanya with a V-V-A-N-I-A. Hey, this week, the U.S. Supreme Court is expected to deliver its official ruling on an abortion case that actually could lead to the overturning of Roe versus Wade. The court follows the best time to tell your friend their toilet is clogged method. (laughs) That's what the morning brew writes, waiting to release its most controversial rulings right before they leave. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, that's funny. That's June 26th, Sunday, this Sunday. So where do we stand on this? The court has 18 cases left to rule on, not just abortion, 18 total. Opinions are usually dropped on Tuesday or Wednesday mornings, so that could be today, that could be tomorrow, but nothing about the the Roe versus Wade case, the high-profile case, has been normal. First of all, do you remember what happened? There's a pesky little problem of the draft opinion gutting federal protections for abortions being leaked. And it's the first time in modern history that we've seen This happened, an opinion on a pending case leaked. And my guess is FBI and court investigators will track down the douchebag law clerk who released it. And you're going to see that person prosecuted. And that is, if ever there was a deterrent moment, it's that. You want to hit hard at that person. They probably do federal time at a prison camp. You know, not hard time, but and get a felony because that that's really, really, really bad. And it causes a ripple effect that costs money, time, attention, and it undermines the really the, the, the court in terms of confidentiality and purity. Now, the zoom out, up to 26 states have laws restricting, so more than half in America, or they ban abortions that's set to take effect the second Justice Alito turns off his mic. But that demand for abortions likely won't change. The New York Times basically analyzed this and found that if Roe fails this weekend, the average travel distance to get an abortion would jump from 35 miles to 280. And I know some of you, the real pro-lifers are like, good. We want it to be a million miles. Protect, protect. Those that say, no, wait a minute, uh, especially early, you know, are you 486 scenario? Someone has intercourse and it's like, maybe I'm pregnant. I'm going to take a, a the morning after pill where some are saying you can't even do that. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen here on pills versus abortion versus when versus where. It's a sticky topic. Even pro-life and pro-choice at the most ardent levels are hesitant to debate and engage in. But what's going to happen? Well, states like Kansas, California, Illinois. We just talked to Jonathan Greenberg in Illinois. I have no doubt he's pro-life. They're going to see out-of-state abortion seekers flood their clinics. Illinois expected its number to rise, patients to jump anywhere from two to five times. That's according to Bloomberg. 
because they're going to flock there to get their abortion. Here's an interesting story. A giant stingray, 661 pounds, the world's largest freshwater fish found in Mekong, Vietnam. That's what scientists say. It unseated the previous record holder, a 646-pound Mekong giant catfish caught in Thailand. There's no official record-keeping or database of the world's biggest freshwater fish. The Mekong obviously is rich in biodiversity when you read that the last two records came from there. But overfishing and pollution, of course, pollution and the dams, they're all threatening that fragile ecosystem. Mekong River flows from the Tibetan Plateau through China, Myanmar, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. That is a long river. Zeb Hogan, a biologist who leads Wanders of the Mekong, which is a USAID-funded conservation project, he said, quote, in 20 years of researching giant fish in rivers and lakes on six continents, this is the largest freshwater fish that we've encountered or that's been documented anywhere worldwide. So that is something that I find quite interesting. Big time fish, big time fish. Have you ever caught something that big? Anybody out there in in the sea like a halibut? I don't know if that would be a record. Here's another quote. Dr. Hogan says, finding and documenting this fish is actually remarkable. It's a rare positive sign of hope, even more so because it's occurred in the Mekong, a river that's currently facing a lot of challenges, which we just talked about. I'll post this on the Tom Anderson show. This Fish is freaking huge. This stingray is huge. It looks like it's bigger than a bumper pool table. Remember bumper pool, everybody? <laughs> on the night of June 13th, a local fisherman on Koh Prey Island called to tell researchers that he had caught a very big stingray. <laughs> and he said, hey, guys, this is huge. So the giant freshwater stingray is an endangered species. This is the second giant stingray examined by the team since May. When record fish are found, it means the aquatic environment is still relatively healthy. This is in contrast to what we've seen in places like the Yangtze River, where scientists basically reported the extinction of the Chinese paddlefish, which is really sad. He goes on, Dr. Hogan says, the Mekong River's deep pools sustain life far beyond these impressive giants spawning in this critical habitat produces for instance billions of fish every year which obviously ensure the food security and the livelihoods of millions of people in vietnam millions of people in cambodia so we don't want to see that change anytime soon i love it ever watched a video or read about the sturgeon in washington state i mean there are treasure troves of aquatic life around the world and more and more, I want to become an environmentalist. I'm not going to glue myself to a, you know, to an oil tanker, or block a, a you know, a tra- transit under a bridge 
like in, we've seen in Oregon and we've seen in... in uh... This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios in South Central Alaska, USA. Live and local, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on KVNT, 1020 a.m. and 92.5 FM. Your best source for morning news, traffic, and weather. Streaming live online at TomAndersonShow.com. Phone lines are open. Dial 907-357-5868. That's 357-5868. Politics and news from a guy who's made it happen. Your morning drive just got a whole lot better. Good morning, America. Here's Tom Anderson. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm eating my yogurt, drinking my coffee. How about you? What are you, what are you eating this morning? I hope you're having a great Tuesday. It's our second hour Tom Anderson show. Yeah, I eat in my little studio. Why not? You know what I love? I've been addicted to these, and when I'm on an Atkins or a low-carb diet, what I do is I go get those Ghirardelli cacao. Rick Milliken taught me that it's not Keiko, it's cacao. Thank you, Rick, for that lesson. I get those chocolate chips that are low sugar, and hey, they're you know low carb, not diet, but just low. Uh, you know, you got to look at them like 60, 70, 80% chocolate. You don't want them pure chocolate or they're nasty tasting. And then I mix those with pistachios and three bears is one of our sponsors and they have the bags of pistachios. They're expensive, like 17, 18 bucks, but man, they're good to snack on. Only problem with pistachios is that they are, um, you know, they're not exactly, I mean, they're nutritionists, they're nutritious, is that the word, nutritious? They have a lot of things, high levels of unsaturated fats and potassium, antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, all that stuff. They can help in a ton of different ways, but they also, I think they're, they're fattening, and so it depends on what diet you are eating and i mean that pistachio tree originated i think it was like in asia western asia and they probably came into play in the bcs you know thousands of years ago i know that they came to the u.s like in the 1800s and then we actually started commercially producing them sometime in the 1900s my guess is after world war ii i've researched this a bit california the big gun for those arizona new mexico their commercial pistachio, I guess, production in those places. So that's your history. Thank you. I'm glad you're tuning in, aren't you? Did you hear the breaking news? Al Gross is out. That's the real big news in Alaska here. Independent, which is a freaking joke. Democrat Al Gross, who's running as an independent candidate, he said yesterday he's calling it quits. He's withdrawing from both the special and general elections for U.S. House in Alaska. He urged supporters to support either Mary Piltola or Republican Tara Sweeney. He's in third place after the June 11th special primary election. There were 48 candidates with all the ballots, pretty much all of them counted. Sarah Palin's got a strong lead. Nick Bagich of the Bagich families, second. And no, you would think Nick is a Democrat. All his family's Democrat that's run for office. His grandpa, his uncles, he is a Republican. And so it's going to be a very interesting 
event with that change. What do you think that means? I mean, Tara Sweeney was in fifth place. Now she's fourth. So it's Palin and it's Begich and it's Peltola and it's Sweeney. Do you think that that's going to make a big difference? I'd love your your thoughts on this. Phone lines are open. 907-357-5868. Do you think that this real, I mean, if someone like Sarah Palin and they want her in office, are they really going to vote for Nick Bagich second or are they going to skip that? Or might they say, you know what? I like Sarah Palin. I don't mind Tara Sweeney. She's thoughtful. You know, Mary Peltola may be a Democrat, but she's a, you know, pro-business, pro-development, very moderate Democrat, thoughtful person. I really love Mary. She's just an awesome. If you met her, you'd say, wow. Even if you didn't vote for her, you'd say, I really adore her. She's just a, she's a smart, educated, well-traveled, experienced former lawmaker, candidate and so i i compliment her uh, she reminds me of like a weddleton i hate to bring him up because he lost and i don't want to uh you know give her bad karma or juju when i mention that but i just she's just a thoughtful nice person and mary peltola used to be cap when, when i was in it was mary capsner then it was mary sattler now it's sattler peltola so recognize she had a different name but she did serve in office at the time when i was in under murkowski and thereafter and so now you have my question again so palin gets the nod so let's say someone says we don't want baggage do they vote then for sweeney and then just call it good at two or let's say you have some of the, the swamp or Republican insiders that say, well, we, we got to go with Begich. Uh, you know, we can puppet him along the way. And the lobbyists as well are, are supporting him, the, you know, the Ashley Reed. So, okay, we want him. Are they going to vote for, for the team? Are they going to vote for Palin second and then Sweeney third? Would you like to see that? It's interesting. Mark from East Anchorage calling in. What do you think this means, Mark? I know you've been following it with, with Al Gross out. Yeah, with Al Gross out. But the other thing is, if Tara Sweeney continues to have her suspended, it actually goes down a little further than that. We have Santa Claus in the race in fourth place. Yeah, that's true. Why would she suspend? Do you think she could? Well, she technically has already somewhat suspended it due to the results. But if she unsuspends her campaign before certification, um, then she would be in that fourth place slot. Um, I thought that um, you'd end up with, you got two others right below that, which if... um, if if Santa Claus uh, decides to go crazy and does uh, interesting, you have Lowenfels and you have Chris Constant within with seven votes from each other. So so Santa Claus was after because I forget he gets mixed in that. It went it went Palin and then it went Bagich. It went Gross. It went, uh, it went pa- yeah. Pa- it's pa- it's uh, yeah yeah. If uh, if Tara decides okay, with Al Gross out, and I actually have a chance to be in that fourth slot, 
Um, here is my little scenario when it comes to, you never know what Sweeney will do. I think it'll be Sweeney Talatola. Those voters will go one, two, um, and then three, Palin. Well, I think it's Palin's to lose. And I like Peltola and I like Sweeney. And I and I like Nick Vagich as a person. I mean he's not a bad guy. Never never said otherwise. I just don't like who's pushing him to run and win and who, who could have control over him. And I, he, he would say if he was on air, nobody controls me. But we all know where there's special influences and interests. And I just, I worry. Hey, Mark, thanks for the call. Out of time. Enjoy right. your Tuesday, right, brother. Bye. Yeah, keep monitoring it. We're going to come right back. If you want to join us, what's your take? 357-5868. Congressional candidate Al Gross moves out. A couple move up. Stay with us. Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. We are back. Good morning, everybody. Hey, Charles, welcome back to the Tom Anderson Show. Charles, our producer this morning, if you could go to Alaska's news source, I'd love to hear what Al Gross said. There's a clip right on top about Al Gross's departure. And then just signal to me when you get that pretty please on Facebook. That's how we message on this show, which is easiest. And let me know. Alaska's news source on the Al Gross departure. Folks, what do you think about this? With all the move up, if Sweeney was going to suspend her race, which I hadn't heard, and I don't know, sorry to Mark, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I, I'd have to verify with Tara and her team, who I know. How, and, and how polluted the online review? We, uh, let me know, Charles, on that. Then then we, we do have a different ball of wax. <laughs> Is that the term? But then we do have a different circumstance. It's going to be a very different optic with who is in the top four with Al Gross out and a Sweeney Peltola who he endorsed. He said, pick one or the other. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal because let's just say everybody on the left goes for Peltola. Then you're going to see a shift and Peltola may even turn out to be the moderate choice for those that don't want a, a baggage or a, a, a really a Palin, but who are still right of center, like a Howcrow. A lot of people may uh, listen to me mention his name in disdain and say, oh, who cares what he thinks? But there, there's a, a there's a swath of Howcrow-type folks out there. Uh, Lisa McGuire, my ex, who's, you know, good friend. We have a son together. I mean, she she's a, a moderate, to say the least, Republican. And I wonder who she, you know, she'd probably maybe be a Sweeney person. There are a lot of, what would a Bill Evans, I mean, he's a super moderate. Isn't he a Republican, the one, the guy that ran for mayor? I've never met him, but I've talked to him on the phone. Um, that would be an interesting one. So Charles says he does have that clip. Let's see if we get more insight from Alaska's news source on the gross departure. News source. Good evening. We start tonight with a developing story, a major changeup in the race for Alaska's lone seat in the U.S. House. 48 candidates on that primary ballot to fill that role for the remainder of the late Congressman Don Young's term. But despite a top four seemingly decided, Al Gross, who is listed as nonpartisan, 
says he is ending his campaign in this race for Alaska's at-large congressional seat to include the special and general elections. Gross, issuing a statement tonight saying in part, quote, it is with great hope for Alaska's future that I have decided to end my campaign. There are two outstanding Alaska Native women in this race who would both serve our state well. He continued by saying, quote, I encourage my supporters to stay engaged and consider giving their first place vote to whichever of them best matches their own values. Now, Gross has been sitting in third place following the June 11th special primary election. He was set to advance to the ranked choice special election taking place on August 16th with two Republicans, former Governor Sarah Palin, who leads, and businessman Nick Begich III, who is currently in second. Democrat Mary Paltola is in fourth and Republican Tara Sweeney, who recently indicated she too was ending her run for the special election only, is in fifth. Now, in response to an Alaska's news source question earlier today about what will happen next with this race, with Gross announcing he will depart, the Division of Elections said only that it is looking into that announcement. The campaign for Sweeney has not yet responded to a request for comment. Yeah, there you go. That's from Alaska's news source. And it'll be a fascinating, could you say, expansion of candidates, devolvement of debate without a Democrat, even Al, though Al Gross said he was an independent. Uh, we all know how he run, how he how he rolls, and whose side he's on. Oh, boy. I think that this is going to get interesting, and it's going to really depend on branding and how thoughtful and articulate and voter reach I think it's going to come down to ultimately how many people are reached and really opinions are changed, obviously, because I don't think Alaska's mind is set. I really don't. And I have friends. Do you know how many friends I have that, that support Nick Begich and how many friends I have that support Sarah Palin? I'll tell you about half and half. So I have friends that say Begich is the one most of the Republican Party leadership supports him and. You know, there's these fundraisers with a lot of big names and that, that I'm going for him. And and he comes from the Bakich family, so he, he must have genetically some savvy when it comes to governance and everything else. Others say, nope, suspicious, part of the Bakich clan, no way. Uh, he hasn't been that active, even if he was Republican Party finance chair, unremarkably, I should add, and has an out-of-country business. Uh, so what? That, that He just doesn't have a resume. I know he's on the MTA board, but I mean, it's just not deep enough. Um, if he wasn't a Bakich, many say he wouldn't even be looked at for these seats. He could run for maybe city council or assembly or something of that nature, but not Congress. So, and even if he can speak well, lots of us can speak well. That doesn't mean uh, folks should be a congressional member. I've heard that. And and the people, some say puppeteering him, uh, you know, the, the ass-cussers like Fagan out there that are just blindly allegiant to him and I think almost abusively on air support him every single day. I think that that, that will come back to bite baggage. And then you have folks that say Sarah Palin is the cat's meow and she has stature and she will put us further on the map and she won't be reckoned with. She's not going to be, you know, bullied or pushed around. Others say, nope. I've heard people say wacky this, uh, uh, you know, fraud this, doesn't live in the state this. Um, I like Sarah Palin. I'd love to get her on the show and talk to her. And Nick Bagich is welcome as well. And ultimately, you know, one of those needs to be there over a Democrat. And Tara Sweeney is another good one. And I like her. 
And so I would add her to that trio of Republicans. I love Mary Peltola, but I mean, I don't want a Democrat. No way. I'm sorry, Mary, but there's no way. We can't have, you'd sidle up with Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters and, and you'd be on the same team as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar. No way. We want Republicans to represent Alaska. I certainly do. I think that, that in a nutshell, you're looking at a very important race for multiple reasons. Obviously, it fills Don Young's shoes. It's someone that can move up in stature. Don Young lost his viability to be a committee chairman or anything of that nature. And then he was more just the cantankerous Don Young and the dean and this and that. And that was sweet and nice, but it didn't always help Alaska, even if he, um, you know, pounded the table or grabbed you and shook your hand with his strength and hurt you as he's done to some or put his foot in his mouth. He was turning a little bit more liberal at the end. That's one of the reasons some say Republican challengers were surfacing. I like Don Young. Sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I did. But ultimately, he certainly did a good job and will be remembered. You can't replace him. You got to get someone new. I want to see that person new move up the ranks for and on behalf of Alaska, just like Lisa Murkowski is doing. Lisa Murkowski wins and she's appropriations chairwoman. Kelly Shabaka wins. We're right at the bottom with no stature or power and probably won't be respected by the colleagues who adore Lisa, which is the majority of the U.S. Senate. So I think that uh, we have to really be cautious who we pick. Do we want an insider? Not necessarily. Do we want a lobbyist funded and fueled candidate? Not necessarily. Do we want someone with charisma? Absolutely. With governance experience? Absolutely. Do we want someone that can debate? Absolutely. Do we want someone with some star power and notoriety? Absolutely. Well, if you add all that up, uh, Tara Sweeney probably doesn't have that other than experience. Nick Bagich doesn't have that other than he has a Republican endorsement. So he would be looked at as the Republican go-to. Sarah Palin seems to have all those. If you go by my litmus test and you get Sarah Palin in as our Congress member and we will be paid attention to, not just because we're big, beautiful Alaska, but because of her voice and it'll be extremely important and relevant. And I just pray that she does a very good job in that role. And I pray that she is able to, to, you know, should she win? I mean, right now she's the front runner. I hope that she can carry the banner. I mean, Bakich was in Murkowski was in Stevens, but none of them had even remotely had Bakich's or had, uh, had, uh, Palin's notoriety. Just go around the world, certainly over the last, right after the presidential election and, and get asked a question. You're from Alaska. Used to be, do you live in an igloo? Have you been on a dog sled of the last 10 years? It's, do you know Sarah Palin? I've had that at least a hundred times, even in Asia and in Europe. So. She'll continue to put us on the map in a good way. Now, well, Mark is on, Mark Bagich, and Mark, we're so short of time. If you start talking, will you stick with us, or are you just going to call in with a quick comment because we're almost out for this segment? I can call, I can talk, and go after the segment if you want. I'm happy to do that. Gosh, you're so friendly. Mark Vegich. I try to be for you. For you, I try to be. Do you do you do you want to be called Assemblyman Vegich, Mayor Vegich, U.S. Senator Vegich, or businessman that owns half of Alaska? Mark Vegich joins us.
I just don't want to be called a four-letter word. So anything is good with me. <laughs> oh, right? Well, well, why don't you give us a few sentences of your thoughts, and then we'll bounce to the break. And no offense, I, I, we have to go to break because it's a hard. No, no, I understand. So I, I, you know, the 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 race that's happening, the congressional race, you actually kind of summed it up pretty good there. I think the dropping of Al gross out of the race is going to add some unique dynamics. I don't know about this whole thing that a fifth person could jump into the fourth position. We'll see how that all plays out, but it's going to be a crazy election year, no question about it, and we haven't even talked about the governor's race. Yeah, no, well, we'll get into that. Former U.S. Senator Mark Bagich, entrepreneur extraordinaire, joins us, friend of mine. And you know what? This shows where politics, you can be different parties and still be buds and communicate. And that's what makes my show and a guy like Mark Bagich special. So stay tuned. That's coming next up right here on The Tom Anderson Show. In touch with the ground, I'm on the This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Back, Tom Anderson Show with former U.S. Senator Mark Bagich, and always a pleasure to have him join us. Mark, we do have a big deal. We have a congressional race with your nephew, who happens to be in it, and your brother, who has departed, retiring from the state Senate. So there's only going to be one Bagich potential remaining. And then we've got the gubernatorial race that you alluded to before the break. And I'd love to get into that. So first the heavy lift and, you know, no doubt you support Nick, your nephew. And I understand that, that there's a balance between, and I shouldn't say that, but I assume you do. I mean, there's a balance on partisanship. He's a Republican and you're a Democrat. And so how does that work? Do actually, do you support him or are you staying out of it? And now we can hear you, Mark. Excellent. How are you? Yeah, good. Now, did you hear what my question was? No, I didn't hear. I apologize. Oh, yeah, no worries. We were just clicking it back in. So I said we're going to talk with former U.S. Senator Mark Bagich about both the congressional race and the gubernatorial race. And with your brother retiring and then with your nephew running, the million-dollar question is, are you endorsing Nick or are you staying out of it because of partisan reasons and, you know, the fact that you're a Democrat and he may be family, but it's the wrong party? Right. Well, it's not even about the party. Uh, He and I, you know, he's a business partner of mine on several projects and uh he and i disagree a little bit on politics so i'm kind of staying out of it to a certain degree my wife's very active uh in the mary's race and so i think that's uh kind of where we are going to be in a family but you know do i talk to him regularly sure you know he's my nephew and i love him and uh but he differs a little bit on the business end he and i are very similar and uh you know you noted it before i went on break uh, you, you know, I spend a lot of time in the business world and a lot of people don't realize that. I mean, you do, cause you and I have had conversations about it and, and I think, uh, people with business experience is important to have in Congress. And I'm not going to go into detail with your private business, nor would I, but Mark has told me some in confidence, some things. I mean, you're, you're not only doing well, but when it comes to infrastructure across Alaska and when it comes to business support, 
I don't understand why you don't switch to Republican. And I know you're going to laugh, but I really don't get it. I mean, you're, you're in, in, in your business life, you're a Republican 100%. So I just, and I mean that. I mean, I'm not trying well, to pick oh, a fight or make you embarrassed. No, no, no. The I business that, side of things, you're about as Republican as they come, more than even a Sheffield, our mutual friend. All right, and you know that I spend a lot of time and, you know, talking to both Democrats and Republicans. I mean, I... Uh, just this morning, had a conversation with the governor about something, and uh, you know he and I don't always agree. But you know, if there's something about building infrastructure, I'm going to be on the phone to who's ever in office to talk about what more we can do. Because if you don't build infrastructure in this state, um, we're never going to have the economic growth we need for the long-term health of this state. So, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I have my views. I have some personal views in regards to, as you know, on the choice issue that. The Republican Party, I think, is out of sync on, and that's a fundamental issue for me. But I also believe the Democrats are on anywhere it comes to uh, oil and gas and, uh, you know, right to bear arms. So I kind of, you know, I like to say, I'm, you know, I'm not an independent. I do, I'm a Democrat, but I have certain views, and sometimes I question the Democrats more than you probably can imagine, Tom, when I hear them mouthing off about we're never going to have a carbon footprint anywhere well yes we will that's we're gonna have a mix of energy for decades to come do i want to go more renewable and uh, uh alternative energy absolutely yeah, but too. The, those that believe that suddenly tomorrow we can flip a switch or the ones that harass banks uh about going you know no carbon you know don't loan to any company that deals with carbon well you know the next time that person says that when they're riding their bicycle to work on plastic rubber tires made out of oil let me know <laughs> you know well, and so, isn't it the same with iditarod i mean aren't you a fan of the Iditarod? Yeah, yeah. you're not wanting to oh, shut huge. it down that i'm aware of yeah i'm a huge fan of it i love going down there and watching the excitement and you know from an economic it's put us you know especially alaska on the map we, you know you've been down there with the international uh news is there all over the world to cover this incredible endurance race and you know I, I think, you know, each party, and, and, you know, you may agree or disagree with this, but I think both parties are getting a little too extreme in their base, you know, in their base. Yeah, and that's Dude, not I'm what not blindly country. allegiant to the Republicans. I support Lisa Murkowski, who's a good Republican. Right. And people say, well, no, she's not at the Trump level or she's not at the, you know, give me a break. And all these people that yeah, exactly. postulate well, what a Republican is, I don't want to hear it. I've been a Republican since I was in high school. You know, do I pull rank? Well, what if someone's, I'm 54, what if someone's 55 and says, I pull rank? I've been one longer. Right. I don't mean it petulantly like that, but but I'm a right. strong, solid, reporting, respectful Republican, you know this. And I was one that, yep. when I was Anchorage Caucus Chairman, I brought Harry Crawford in to be the Vice Chair because I thought it was thoughtful to work with Democrats. I was friends with, with uh, Ethan Berkowitz and and, and uh, Beth Kertula and Mary Ka back then Mary Capster, now Mary Patola, who I love. Right. I'm trying to get her right. on tomorrow. So you and I are friends. I don't always agree with you, yep. but I, I, I'm one that thinks you don't have to be a strict constructionist and go bomb abortion clinics and goose step around. That's the extreme right. on the Republican side, and that's not me. And I voted for Trump both times, and I got a picture of Reagan above my head right now. So I don't want to hear people's yeah. BS about who's Democrat or Republican and their measure. Well, They're the ones that don't run the for office, thing, by the way. 
Right. And the other thing I'd say to this, Tom, and you're right, that's why I like calling your show. I mean, we're, we're going to disagree at certain times, but we're going to agree at certain times. But one thing that I think is also, I, it just drives me crazy when I listen to other talk shows and they start talking about every Democrat's un-American. Oh, well, what the hell? You know, what makes us American oh, is the ability to talk about ideas and diverse ideas and disagree without getting locked up or shot at or thrown in jail or, you know, and all that. We, we, but when people do that, you know, I, I have my flag out, you know, I'm an American. Don't tell me who's more American because that's not the relevant issue here. The issue is the ability to disagree is what makes this yeah. country well, do what it is. Really, do really people think that Bill Sheffield's not American? You know how many Republicans? Right. You think that Tony Knowles is an American? Folks, you think Joe Manchin, the Democrat from West right. Virginia, is an American? I mean, that's offensive to me. Let's get into the nitty-gritty, though, and if you're so willing, I'd love you if you stayed one more segment, and we yep, will wrap I'll do it much longer, but we've got about three minutes till the break, and and if someone wants to call in, Mark can debate the best of oh, yeah. 907-357-5868. Three five seven fifty eight sixty eight. But but so on the congressional race, do you think it'll come down to a Palin versus Nick Bagich? Do you think it'll come down to Palin, Nick Bagich, Peltola? People don't realize how gifted Mary Peltola is, and they don't realize Mary, she's yeah. got the look, she's got the academics, she she's got great composure, she's a disarming debater meaning she's yeah. thoughtful and elegant and prowess and and smart and has an institutional memory having served i don't think they realize how good she is until they truly debate well, her on the stage i would say this time i don't think anyone guessed because look what she did almost 10 percent in a campaign that was i don't want to say lackluster it wasn't you know she was doing what she was doing she didn't right? have she a lot of calling people money, exactly not a lot of not a lot, not a lot of money and here she took out you know a revac a Sweeney, you know, Cog go through Hill, the list, right? Coghill. I mean, Santa. these are people who had names. Hal Crow, you know, they they all had names and brand, and and she comes out of nowhere. And I think, you know, I'm a believer that right now voters today, Republican, Democrat, Independent, are looking for something different. They're tired of the same old, same old. Now, I think it does get down to. Uh, you know, Sarah's in the top of the list, and Nicholas is right behind, and then I think Mary is kind of a surprise candidate, so I would never underestimate her for all the things you just said. But saying that, I think, you know, everyone's going to have to figure out, you know, is Nicholas going to attack Sarah? Is Sarah going to attack Nicholas? Because going after Mary, they're not getting votes from her, right? I mean, you know, they're that's a different ball game. So it's an interesting dynamic, this ranked choice thing, which is, you know, I don't support and didn't support but it's going to be it's going to create a quandary because everyone and people may not pick their second and third choice right people might say i'm just picking my first and forget everything else that which, is the that's actually, the elephant in the room mark yeah that's yes, it the people yes. say i'm voting for sarah palin i love her and i'm not going to vote for right. tara sweeney i don't even know who that is i'm just voting right. for sarah so, or they yeah. just vote for two. I have a lot of friends yes. that 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 say I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for Nick uh, Vakich and then Sarah. I have other friends that right. say I'm voting for Sarah Sweeney, but I don't like uh, Nick because of certain people endorsing him or lobbyists supporting him. Then others say right. I'm just gonna vote for Nick only. And so mm -hmm. it's like, oh man, 
it's a it's it's a, gonna be a mess and what happens i mean can you imagine a hardcore republican saying i'm gonna write down a democrat's name they're not doing that no, and a hardcore democrat writing down a republican but hold that thought we got a little boz stags <laughs> yeah. lowdown by the way this is the lowdown on elections with mark baggage former u.s senator stay tuned we have one quick break and then next segment with him again talking about elections good morning tom anderson show Putting your business in the street, talking out loud. Saying you bought us this and that, and how much you done spent. I swear she must believe it's all heaven sent. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Hey, we're back with former U.S. Senator Mark Bagich, and let's recap what we've already talked about specifically. So he's not entering in, at least publicly, the the congressional race where his nephew, Nicholas Bagich, is running and is second uh, behind Sarah Palin, yep. former Governor Sarah Palin, for that congressional seat. And there's some shifting with candidate Al Gross out of the mix. And... You also have a spouse who is very intelligent and thoughtful, and she is helping on the Mary Peltola, the Democrat congressional race, and she's the front runner there. So I know that it gets difficult, no doubt, in the Bakich family, probably every election cycle at the at the broader level. Uh, and I don't mean your immediate nuclear family, but with your siblings. And I know your brother, Nick Bagich II, who's often on Alex Jones or used to be and had been on my show, sub my show when I had a world of science, Mark. Uh, he, he leans conservative like his son, Nicholas. So it'll be fascinating how this evolves. I think it's Sarah Palin's to lose. And I think with the fallout, I don't agree with you that people want to change. I'm not I'm not picking on you, but I think people fall back to that, and that's a convenient. Wouldn't that be convenient for your nephew? Hey, he's never been in office. Time for a change. We'll right. Him. Oh, sure. That's a great moniker, yeah. but I don't think so. Yeah. I think the votes for Sarah yeah. show that someone old school celebrity and charisma, and she's the closest of the Don Young ilk. And I uh, and I think that she's going to you know continue to put us on the map in a good way. It's not going to be harmful. I think it's going to be beneficial. Every story, every no, as long as she, if she does win, carries the torch, you know, respectfully, which I think she can do. You know, as long as there's yeah. not shenanigans and silliness, I think Nick could do the yeah. same. But I don't think he'll have the the stature, right? I mean, if Nick wins, yeah. I think he'll be yeah. a fine congressional member. But I don't think he'll have notoriety like Sarah Palin. Give me a break. Not even remotely. Yeah, let me see. Yeah, let me say this. I, I, I'm not disagreeing necessarily. Let me let me also put one little caveat. Um, you know what what I'll do in the next couple of months may change. I've also just for the record given Mary some a little money, not much, but some um, supporting that How much? element. Twenty of it. bucks. Uh, no, two fifty. You know, you know. Now there's no limits. Now oh, there's so two hundred and fifty no million. I love it. Just kidding. Yeah, Don't there we go. Um, but. But I agree with you, it's Sarah's to lose. There's no question in my mind about that. I agree with you 100% on that. The second thing I'd say is, um, you know, we, we'll disagree on this. I mean, there's times when Sarah, you know, was not the best uh, person in front of the camera for Alaska. Because uh, the comments I get from people is, oh, my gosh, Sarah Palin. Now, we can disagree, but the one thing I do agree on 
uh, brand way, slash before, celebrity. Got, I'm going to jump in only to interrupt to say, but you're Mark Bagich. You're a Democrat front runner in any race you choose. Right. You're, the mo- you're the most recognized, well, I don't know about probably that. the most famous Democrat in Alaska's history. I would say that. I don't, I don't know think about anyone's. That. Right. I, but, I think that. And so, sure, you're a circle of people. You're in corduroy pants, wearing turtlenecks. You're at Bernie's. You're sipping a martini with your pinky out. Ivan Moore's there. You're waxing eloquent. You're turning up Jack Johnson. <laughs> you know, hey, are you talking? That I was system. there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not I'm, at Bernie's. Dude, oh my I'm God. teasing. I don't even, I don't even wear corduroy pants. Are you kidding no, me? No, but of course oh that group God. doesn't like Sarah Palin. So yeah, I mean, that's no, the I wrong sphere of influence you're asking. Yeah, no, but I would say this: that I, I think the celebrity world, the world we green live in in politics today. Yeah. yeah, green. There we go. The world we live in today. Celebrity, sadly, and I'll say this, and I mean it very sincerely, that um, the celebrity element is more advantageous to a candidate than ever before. Of course. And and I think that can be good and it can be bad. And your right? point is, ask Mamet Oz in Pennsylvania, ask Herschel Walker in Georgia. Yes. Yes, these are things, you know, Herschel Walker had explained why he had three illegitimate kids, right? I mean, that you suddenly, you know, but that's okay now, right? The the, the religious community in the South say, oh, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but well, how about Osof and Warnock? To me, two unremarkable yeah. men that shouldn't have won. Sorry, I like the incumbents and they won. So, I mean, people dug them. I mean, you got a black pastor right. that speaks eloquently or not in Warnock and people speaker. beat him. So, I mean, his the, the charisma, they picked him but too with Orange, all his shenanigans. You think he's, right. you know, clean across the board? But the point him. is what you're, what you're emphasizing, which is the correct, I mean, I guess the right statement right now, and that is the celebrity, celebrity. element yep. is what people want. We live now in a reality TV world, right? People don't want, like when we grew up, right, it was sitcoms, right? Yep. Now people want people to be on islands that are they doing fake, uh, you know, survival. Yep. Yep. Yeah, bull, you know, bull that basically, you know, they're out there on an island and somehow they're desperate. But yet, wait a second, who's filming this? <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. But, but I mean, we live in this. I can't remember what's that movie that was uh, a fake movie, uh, and it Truman was Show? Jim Carrey's in it. Yes, yeah. this this is where it's we live today. It's not about Ashley today. Reed's kid. Yeah, it's a, it's about right. Jim Carrey. But but he, but here's a pesky <laughs> problem. Here's a pesky problem that that undermines a bit. What if someone of stature was a mayor? was a regulatory advisor, was a governor, and was a vice presidential candidate, is very attractive, and whose name recognition is not just local in a microcosm, but worldwide, and anything she says, people listen to. I mean, that's the difference. It's not just celebrity like Paris Hilton. Uh, Sarah Palin has stature and credentials. And I mean, she didn't, she didn't win the gubernatorial or the mayoral race or vice presidential nod by hook or crook. I mean, it was planned and by votes in the, in the, in the elected cases. And so I'm just saying, and I think you concur. She is the one that, that has the poll position. And Mary, you know, I've talked to Mary and Mary will be on, I hope tomorrow. We got to get a confirmation. Oh, good, good. But, but I, but I, and we'll make a video out of that one by the way, um, yeah. because we do that with our candidate interviews. But I, I'm just saying that, that it's going to no, be... No, I'm, I'm not... if Sarah wins, you can work with her, right? If Sarah Palin's oh, yeah. congressional member, Sarah, her, you'll reach uh, your hand out. Oh, yeah. I, when she was governor and I was mayor, I worked with her. When she was mayor and I was on the assembly, I worked with her. 
you know, I, you know me, I, I, once you're elected, I'm going to sit down with you. Now we may disagree at certain points, but if you're doing something good for Alaska, I mean, last week I was working with mayor Bronson on something. You know, I'm oh happy my God, to work with people. Is hell frozen over? That means the Vikings <laughs> won the Super Bowl, and we have Shakey's Pizza my back My mom in would love that. My mom from Minnesota would love the Vikings to win <laughs> one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but you know, it is a, you know, it, 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 oh, frankly, it does drive my uh, some of my hardcore liberal friends crazy because when I mention either one of those names, you know, Don Levy or Bronson, they, they, you know, they, I think they were about to break out in hives, but by the way, do you, you know, agree that, my, Mike, that Mike Dunleavy, it's his to lose as well? I do. Oh, I think absolutely. he'll easily win. Absolutely. I, people who say to me, you know, that, Oh, he's going to lose. Cause he didn't do this They're and do crazy. that and do the difference. He's going to win he, easier than any he, other race out there of the big ones. It's his to lose. Now, you know, I will say Walker's kind of gone flat. I don't know what where he's at these days. Gara surprised me a little bit of how much he raised. I mean, yeah. I was a little surprised about that. I mean, yeah. he raised over half a million, and everyone kind of looked at him and said, well, he's a downtown liberal. But now people, there's people, I can sense it, there's a double look now, right? They're saying, well, wait a sec, what is this guy left all I about? I pray to God but Walker Governor, leaves, and it's Gara against Dunleavy, and we have a million a debates. Race. Imagine that height be, difference. Oh, it'd be, well, not only that, but the debate, right? It'd be actually, instead of just the gas line, it'd be a lot more issues that matter. Gas line's important, but we have many other things. But those two, that'd be a race. But unless you're seeing something different, I don't think the Walker campaign kind of jumped out and then went flat. And I haven't heard much out there, which the is momentum somewhat momentum for Dunleavy. And my, again, my circles are different than yours, and some of them cross hat, you know, overlap. Right. Uh, I think over, it's yeah. Dunleavy's yeah, crossover. I think it's Dunleavy's to lose by far, even more than than Palin's. You know, I mean, Nick Bigich is is formidable, and P- Patola's catching right. up. But I don't think Les Gear is comparable in comparison when you juxtapose to Dunleavy. But I understand you have to give the perspective that hey, he's out there, he's made money. You're looking at some of his stats and saying, hey, he's becoming right. more legit. I just, I think he'll get blown out of the water. There are other Democrats it, like yourself that would give Dunleavy a true run for his money, like like nerve-wracking level, but I don't think Gara's of that stature. I just don't, and most yeah, people, I, even on the Democrat side, have said that to me. They support him obligatorily, but come on. Right. I think here's what I'm, I like about Alaska politics is today we can have this conversation in about three weeks from now or a month and a half from now, we might have a whole different conversation because the dynamics change. Yep. And that's yeah, what, what I love about people who say to me, well, you know, the political system's locked up and people can't get in. That's, that's just not true in Alaska. I mean, it's just not true. You pay you a hundred bucks, you're on the list and then go campaign and you never know what can happen. Right. I mean, the mayor of Anchorage is a guy no one knew. And now he's the mayor, right? He ran against formidable candidates. Boom, out he went, and then he wins. And so then you, you, never and know. you as so, a businessman have to deal with guys like that, and and you may have not, not agreed with him or voted for him, but no, you definitely walk the fence in that capacity. Former U.S. Senator Mark Bagich, always a pleasure. It was very kind of you to stay always. over two segments, man. Always a pleasure to dialogue yes. on this stuff. We'll do it again. Have a good one, man. Okay, Thanks. you too, man. Hey, folks, that's Senator Bagich. I'm Tom Anderson. Charlie Kirk is next up. Enjoy your day. Happy Tuesday. Drive safe, and God bless. Yo